everybody, welcome to the new episode of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexford and Adam Sparks here. We have a ton to get to. Let's get right to it. I don't even know where to start, but let's just start with Derek Mason. Derek Mason and Colorado. We, we're going to talk about Vandy beating the Vols. We're going to we're going to talk about Darius Garland and and the new the really bad news there. But Adam, I want to start with that first of all. He Derek Mason texted you back about the speculation, and it is just speculation. And that's the I guess my first question for you because it was an SB Nation mention of Colorado possibly having interest in Derek Mason. He did not shoot down as I if I were his you know agent I would tell him absolutely never shoot anything down and say anything definitively about you staying somewhere if you're in this business but he didn't shoot it down. First of all, do you think that there actually is something there and I guess go there first, and then we'll move on from that. Well, I, I I don't think anybody should ever shoot down a possibility of a job like that unless they're on the hot seat for certain and they're just clinging to the job they have. You don't want to put a bad taste in the mouth of your boss in that way. That's not really his uh, situation right now. could have been a month ago. You could say Derek Mason's seat's pretty warm. He should be happy that he has a contract and a job. He's got a little bit of leverage now. I mean, I don't. Derek Mason has not had this much leverage, and it gets not a lot, but it's some. Has not had this much leverage in two years. The last time that Vandy went to a bowl two years ago, and he beat UT for the first time then, and that's when he got the contract extension back to five years from from David Williams as AD. Um, he's got a little bit now. Just beat UT three times in a row. Has another bowl bid. And so I, I, he was diplomatic in the response. You know, in, in the funny, the, the kind of behind the scenes, the way this went was uh, SB Nation was the one that floated it out there. And then the next morning, I text Derek and, uh, you know, I was up front with him. You know, I, you can ignore this, acknowledge it, answer, you know, it's, it's your call. And, uh, and Derek read the text, didn't respond for maybe an hour and then responded very diplomatically. And my take, and this is just speculation, I don't know this, my take is that he talked to his agent and said, what do I do here? And I thought he gave a good answer because it was acknowledging, I love being here, I love being at Vandy, future's bright, whatever. I'm not going to completely kill this rumor or report. To be clear, he didn't say whatever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, whatever. And uh, yeah. You know, but yes, I hear you. And I got a lot of different, boy, I got a lot of different responses from Vandy fans in person on Twitter and elsewhere. Uh, you know, why did he just say no? I'm going to be a Commodore for life. Well, that's, that's silly. That's naive. Very naive. Uh, you know, others thought, well, he's for sure gone. He didn't say that. He said, I'm recruiting and I'm pretty happy about what's going on here. So it's, I mean, it's somewhere in the middle, whereas, which is why you, where you need to be. It's a, Somewhat of a lateral move, I think we would agree. Is okay, it? before we get into that, do you yep. think that this will escalate to the point where Colorado will have him on a relatively short list of candidates? 24 hours ago, I thought this is just another one of those. He's on a list and it means nothing. I, I think there's something to it. Okay. okay. I, I, I think there's something to it. And now we can debate the jobs because I did a lot of this with Vanderbilt fans on Twitter. and uh, Well, probably not just Vanderbilt fans, but various people on Twitter a day ago yeah. about you know comparing the jobs. I mean, well, and, and I, I think there may be something to it because it's a reasonable option and his team's not going to be as good next year. 
So this this type of uh, possibility probably is not here a year from now. He doesn't know who his new AD is going to be, and I know we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so there's you know there's pretty decent reason for him to look at it and say, well, maybe if they call me, if they call my agent, I would consider it. It's Pac-12. He's from Arizona. He's a Pac-12 guy from Stanford. So the the job. Now, it's a different job than Vandy. Mike McIntyre was there. He was a national coach of the year, what, three seasons ago, won 10 games there, and, and is fired not, not long after that. Derek could not go there and go 5-7, and 6-6, seven, six and six and keep, the, keep that job long term. That being said, you don't have to play the SEC. you got to go there and win eight games at Colorado to stay a long time. And could he do that? Maybe. There's a bottom end of the Pac-12 where you can rack up a few wins. And there's more winnable games at the top of the Pac-12. It's just not as good of a conference. But Colorado, you can win at. It would just be a different pressure. He can stay at Vandy and go six and six, you know, every other year, once every three years, and keep this job for a while under David Williams, under the new athletic director. Who who, knows? Who knows? Well, and here's the thing. And you were on the air with uh, Willie Donick, Darren McFarland, one zero two five. And Willie brought up the point that, you know, thir- uh, I guess one bowl game in the last 13 years for Colorado. Now, the the year it was a bowl game, Mike McIntyre got him all the way to the Pac-12 championship game. So I don't think there's any question that the ceiling is higher at Colorado. I don't think there's any question that the investment in program is higher at Colorado. And, Adam, I, frankly, when you just if you're going to include stadium and football facility in the discussion of program investment, Tell me the Power 5 football program that would rank below Vanderbilt. I, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, yeah, relative to its conference, yeah. Uh, well, I don't even—I'm I'm talking Power 5. I'm talking Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big 12. I'm forgetting the other— Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, league, but, that, that's harder to do than a, now that I think about it, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's really got to be—I mean, there's— Pac-12, there's, duh. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a small—there's a small— timetable in here if Derek were to go to Colorado or somebody else that calls he would have to decide this fairly soon just because that's why that's when coaching changes happen and the new AD comes in this week next week whenever you know Derek's got to feel that person out is this person somebody's going to come in and shake up things and suddenly have those resources get those resources or is this going to be what it's been for decades and this is just going to be somebody that's going to that's going to stack football right alongside of women's golf and men's tennis and bowling and all those things and if it's the latter eventually he's going to leave if he can well and beyond that adam i mean look if if he gets the sense that it's kind of a judgment year for him next year like you said i mean we don't know who all's leaving but i think a few of these guys are going early to the nfl at least a couple schedule's much tougher i mean that that team next year i think there's a there's a real chance that's a three or four win team and if and if you feel like this athletic director is going to judge me and watch carefully on this year and and where this program is headed then you know i think you have to really think about you know what's the smart move right now. yeah it's the old get ahead of the posse kind of thing right and we which is crazy to say because i think like you said he has leverage and you know he just beat Tennessee, just got to a bowl game. So you would think, considering what Vanderbilt does compared to other places, that he would have some leeway. Well, it, but it, it all comes down to the new AD. If David Williams is still here, I don't think this is as much of a question. But here's the, the catch-22 of that. If David Williams is still the AD long-term, 
you probably feel like you're probably not going to get those resources. So there's a there's a, a maybe a a, a a win lose pro con situation to the to the new athletic director. Yeah, I mean you and I can run through so many coaches over the years that. You know, if you're going to go, you better go now. And then a year they stay, and then a year later, those offers are not there anymore. Those opportunities, and Derek could easily be in that situation. I'd, I'd you know, if they go four and eight next year, uh, he's not getting any any calls, but he but he'll get them now. And so he's got. To, I mean, he's got to make a judgment call with that. And uh, again, until the new AD gets here, he doesn't know quite what he's dealing with at Vanderbilt. But I mean, it's it could be a gamble either way, stay or go. And to go back to the discussion, you know, and I just brought up investment. I mean, from that perspective, I put Vanderbilt last in Power Five. I I, I want someone to tell me who would who who could possibly contend for that spot. However, you know, that's not the only consideration. You know, first of all. If you're at Colorado, if you want to compare those two, you have much better access to talent here. You are in the Premier League. You are in a great city. You have a fantastic university education to sell. And also, if you're Derek Mason, I I believe he genuinely loves his players, has built a really strong locker room. And uh, look, you see how these guys come out and play for him every week and play for each other. It's This is a credit to him. It's also something that when you build it, you don't just want to walk away from it. So those are all factors in in the favor of Vanderbilt to consider. But when again, strictly from the program investments standpoint, and I know he's frustrated. I mean, how could he not be? He has been actually very open and public about that at times. That has to be a big thing on the list when you're going pros and cons. Well, well, and let's flip this conversation around. Let's we're looking at it. Should Derek leave or stay? Does Vanderbilt want him to stay or leave? Because you know, obviously, new AD. We don't know who that's going to be. What their preference is going to be. Usually, new ADs come in with a list of who they would hire as a football coach if they had that opportunity. But does Vandy want him to stay? You know, a, a month ago, not that the fan base is the administration, but the fan base a lot said, uh, you know, it's time for a change. You got to move on. Those sort of things. And Derek went through this in 2016, also, uh, where he won late, and people kind of changed their mind. You know, now you're starting to hear a lot of fans. Say, well, you know, I mean, what's the chances you can get a coach that's going to beat Tennessee three times in a row? Tennessee Nobody, fans would say anyone could right now. Right, but, right. Yeah. Hadn't been done in 90 years. I know UT's down. Hadn't been done in 90 years. Well, is, is it going to be that easy to get a coach that'll take Vandy to multiple bowl games? Only James Franklin and Derek Mason have done that in the history of Vanderbilt. Uh, I understand different eras, but. It's not certain that you're just going to go get a coach that can at least win to the level that he's had. I think we could argue that probably should have been a little better this year, but they weren't bad. And sometimes I think Vandy fans are afraid of just being really bad. Yeah, well, and and I had this discussion with a few people too, probably you too, but, you know, six and six is, look, that's an achievement at Vanderbilt. This team, we I think we both agree, this team should have been better than that. And I think you can trace some in-game coaching to why it wasn't. But the fact that it should have been better than that, to me, also speaks to what Derek Mason has done. So it's like a, you can just go around and around with this. Yeah, I think they should have been better. However, Vanderbilt, again, you want to compare all the measures of what a, a university does for a football program – and the investment involved, Vanderbilt should never win an SEC football game. 
If, if, if those things and, and everything, recruiting rankings, stadium, fan base size, any sort of, and we don't have all Vanderbilt's numbers, but I can tell you where they stack up in a lot of cases. They should not win an SEC football game. So, and I know some Vanderbilt fans will bristle at that, but I'm sorry, that's reality of this. So I think he's done a really good job of getting them in position here. He's also, unfortunately for him, compared to the three years under Franklin, where it was a, it was obviously an outlier when assessed within the last century of Vanderbilt footballs, but that makes it tougher on him. I think he's done a good job. I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world or has done the best job in the world. I think he's done a good job, and and you could do worse. You may, Maybe you can do better, too, and I think some fans cling to that and say, well, look, he's just... You know, look at all the mistakes he's made. I mean, well, it's, it's a very, it's a really complex discussion about him because you look at his overall numbers and not good. Well, and, and on that note, let's push it over to their most recent game. You say they shouldn't beat anybody in the SEC, and I agree with you based on resources. The, the win over Tennessee, thirty-eight thirteen, it was never really in doubt. I don't no. think. When, I'm not sure if that changes. You know, with each coach that Tennessee has, you can kind of look at it and say. Um, you know, this one may may be the one, you know, and I wrote it in a story on Tennessean.com right now. It's Lane Kiffin swagger. Oh, that's what UT needs. Well, Derek Dooley's, um, you know, southern background and approach, That that's what you need. Uh, no, Butch Jones and his star-studded recruiting class, that's what you need. <laughs> and every every coach... You can make an argument. This is what's needed. Well, Jeremy Pruitt well, is, is Nick Saban disciple. That's what's that's what's needed. And a month ago, that looked like the case. Now I'm I'm not so sure. And now he's looking for a new offensive coordinator. The the idea that eventually Vandy it, things are going to go back to how they've always been, and Tennessee's going to dominate Vanderbilt. I'm not so sure that happens if these two coaches are locked. I don't, I'm not sure that happens next year. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it, well, first of all, I mean, I think Tennessee will take a step forward. I, I just it's so hard to know with Vandy's roster. Yeah. But no, I mean I think that was a better team. Vanderbilt was a better team on the field. They're better players, which again, Derek Mason is getting kids like Jawan Williams to play for him. He's finding kids like, you know, Cam Johnson got hurt this year, but that's a big recruit that people wanted. So he's finding he's getting some good players in here that he, that you know are he's putting together pretty good teams. But that was now, some of them, as we said, you know, Jared Pinckney, I mean, I, I expect to see him on Sundays next year. Yes. You know, and Kyle Shermer, obviously, is a senior. But that was a better team. Vanderbilt, this was there was nothing in doubt about that. And it's funny because all through the year, we went back and forth on that, too. Tennessee goes to Auburn, looks really good and wins. They crush Kentucky. And they have some talent. And so you're not sure there. And I think I, my thoughts on this game changed a lot from the beginning of the year to the end. I was like, yeah, it's going to be really close. I picked Vanderbilt in a close game, but I, early on I was like, Vanderbilt would just destroy Tennessee right now. Well, it turns out that's exactly what happened. Well, and I think you saw a difference between the relationship between coach and players also, which which is understandable because Jeremy Pruitt's a, a, a new coach inheriting someone else's players, but uh, the, the it seemed like there was more friction or maybe apathy that I saw on the Vol sideline where there was a little more enthusiasm on Vandy sideline, and that, that showed on the scoreboard aside from just the talent, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, wh- one thing that shocked me about the UT game, and obviously this is the first time I saw them in person live this year, they're not fast. I mean, they are not fast, and every Tennessee team, just about that I've seen 
in my 39 years on earth has been fast and athletic. I didn't see speed. I didn't even really see that much speed at wide receiver. Yeah, Gen- I was going to say, that's the one place I would say they have some, but Vanderbilt did a good job. Uh, no, but J- J- Jennings is good, and he's tall, and he can go Callaway up and get can it. go. Yeah, okay. Now, Ty Chandler can run. but And you saw it on the one play yeah. when we thought maybe the game was turning. But sideline to sideline, I'm used to seeing a lot of athletes at linebacker rush in, those types of things. I, I didn't see that at a Tennessee, which, which – it, maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but it but it still does. And to your point, I mean, that, that's one thing that stood out. I mean, Vanderbilt brought everybody. They usually split up offense, defense. They brought all the guys in. And, of course, you're happy after a win, especially a win over Tennessee. Vanderbilt's totally sick of hearing about Tennessee. They hear about it every day, all day. You know, Derek Mason had the great story about seeing that orange mailbox every time he drives to work. But it wasn't just that. I mean, I, I think there is a, a really good chemistry on this team, I've got a little uh, a little tidbit on that. The orange mailbox. I know someone, a good friend of mine, lives down the road from Derek Mason, and I asked him if that was his mailbox because this is a Tennessee fan. I'm talking about. It would have been a great story if it was him. He said no, but I think I know the mailbox he's talking about. He said it's actually a Clemson mailbox. No, oh. it's a faded oh, Clemson man. mailbox. So Clemson he, fans. I mean, so he, Derek Mason may have been falsely motivated all this time. We thought this was a Vol city. It's actually a Clemson that's right, city. Maybe that's, right. you know, that's never know. Interesting. Uh, so real quick, we got to talk hoops. But athletic director, real fast, something happening ever? Is this going to end up being like punt and internal? Higher? Well, there's, there's there's two narratives floating out there. It's taking a while because it's a really really good candidate. It's you're going to be blown away when you see who this is, and just trying to get all the ducks in a row because it's a great hire. That's narrative one. Narrative two is everybody keeps saying no, or they get somebody in place, and then that person says, eh, "I'm not so sure." There's some weird things on that campus, so it's. It's going to be one or the other, and I'm not real sure. The cynic in me says it's the second, but, but you know, we'll see. I, I kind of thought that about some other jobs, including the men's basketball hire, and that turned out to be a pretty good one. So sometimes waiting gets the right person. Maybe we'll, we'll see if that's the case. All right. Break, and then we're going to talk hoops. Right, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to just be open and honest here. You know, no, maybe no. I shouldn't be, but I'm going to be open and honest. I two days in a row, I have, I have awakened and I have been depressed. I am, I am depressed. What's the source of this? I, the, the Darius Garland thing is just uh, it, it's it's a killer, man. And and again, don't take it wrong. I'm not like a Vanderbilt fan who's upset, but I was very excited. Well, first of all, number one reason is because of him. I mean, you can't help but like the kid and his family. And it was this exciting year playing for the hometown team before you go on to the NBA. And so that's over. So I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible for the, you know, the program for fans who were going to watch him. But I, I, I feel bad for me, too. I feel terrible for myself, Adam, because I was so excited about covering this, this guy, this team. I think that this team had a ceiling that was really high that by March – I think I think it's a definite NCAA team with him and a team that could make a deep run with him. You know, it's just it's just too bad. It's just too bad for again him first and foremost. But for I think a lot of people who love college basketball and would have loved following this story, it really could have been special. And you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that we're going to see Darius Garland 
playing another second for Vanderbilt basketball. And the next time we see him play, it'll be in the NBA. No, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think you'll see him play for Vandy again. I mean, there's there's very few scenarios that would put him uh, back out on the floor. You know, I asked Bryce Drew after the Savannah State game last night, you know, Michael Porter at Missouri at the end of the year, he said, well, I'm going to give it a go and all that. And Derek, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Bryce with his body language and then his words was like, no, 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 absolutely not going to happen. He's done for the season. There's no chance he's not coming back. And, you know, and I asked him earlier in the day on the phone about could he come back for next season? And, you know, he him and hawed about it. I don't know what we haven't talked about that, whatever. But again, reading between the lines, I asked Bryce about, well, what if he's not fully recovered? And he said he'll be better than ever. The surgery that he had and all the rehab, he's, he'll wow the NBA scouts. He'll look great. And so as long as there's not a hiccup in his rehab, what my understanding is they expect him to look like the lottery pick or at least first-round pick that he's been projected to be once he rehabs. And if that's the case, I mean, I talked to Darius. I sat down with him for quite a while and did a big story right before the season. And every time I ask him about, you know, how long you wanted to play basketball and growing up and what were your thoughts and dreams and all that, and he kept saying, my, dr- my dream has always been to go to the league. I want to be in the league. It wasn't it wasn't I want to play college basketball. It's not that I want to be in a Final Four. I want to play in the NBA. And if he's told by scouts and executives in the NBA that all you have to do is put your name in and you're going to be in the NBA in a couple of months, I think he does it. Yeah, it's funny because I, I thought, you know, just watching him in high school, I'm like, eh, I just don't know if physically he's going to be ready. We've talked about this. I was like, I just don't know if he's one and done. I think he might have to be a two-year player, but – you know, early in the season, I, I changed my mind. I was like, yeah, I just, you can see it. I mean, look, he's not going to be physically ready as far as strength and all that stuff, but a lot of guys go who aren't anymore. This is, this is the reality. I mean, if you, were, if you have the upside, you go after one year. Yeah, and, and now on the psychology of it and your depression, now let, let me, before I, before I punch you in the gut on this one, <laughs> uh, let me just preface with, I understand that the feeling it sucks for fans, for media, for the coaches play the sec yeah for darius garland college basketball it sucks because it it was it was fun to watch while it was i mean the the game before he got hurt he scored 33 which i think still the most scored by an sec player this year he played 139 minutes that's it that's it was here and gone so i understand that at the savannah state game last night you could tell even when something big would happen, people would kind of do a golf clap. It was just everything was somber. You know, there's a dozen billboards of Darius all around town and on all the interstates around Nashville that they're now being replaced, that they're going to have another image up there of whoever, Simi Chateau or Sabin Lee or whoever. So you got to, you know, you got to move beyond that. And I completely get that now cold-hearted part of me says you got to go play and you know Bryce Drew said I completely understand this but Bryce Drew said after the game last night he said these guys haven't practiced in a couple of days and it was Savannah State so you were going to beat him if you put five guys <laughs> put out up there. 120 on yeah so but he said I gave him two days off I said get away from basketball get your mind clear Aaron Neesmith the real good four-star freshman said he said Darius sent us a, a group text everybody on the team telling us and he said it's been 24 hours since I got that text and it's, I still don't believe it it's still not real and it sounded very much like he's dead and I get it but you know what injuries even the worst ones the most devastating ones happen and 
they've got NC State, Middle Tennessee, who's not very good this year, but NC State, Arizona State, Kansas State coming in the next three weeks. Those are three top 30 RPI teams. And those three games ultimately could determine if you're playing in the NCAA tournament or not. So, well, of course, the league will. The league absolutely will. But, but yeah, it's a big opportunity. If you go two and one in those games, you're in pretty good shape. If you go zero and three, you got some ground to make up. And the committee will look at it and say, okay, the Darius Garland injury, all that. But well, they're also. But but the thing is, when you the committee takes injury into account, but if the guy's not coming back, it doesn't help you. Right. Right. I mean, but, you are what you are without him now. You know, what you don't want to happen is this team sleepwalk through December because, you know, they think Darius Garland's dead. You know, I mean, let, let, let's just pretend Darius Garland never signed here. Well, you still have uh, Simi Chateau, which is like the top three prospect ever signed by Vanderbilt. Uh, you still have Saban Lee, who's one of the best freshmen in the SEC last year. Aaron Neesmith, most years would be your top signee. Who had a great game against Savannah State. Yeah, it's a good sign for really him. Really good. Matt Ryan is a good three-point shooting Notre Dame transfer. You got a Syracuse part-time starter eligible immediately in Matthew Moyer. Which, uh, to me, is more important Yes, now, just to have that depth and another Joe Toy is a solid senior. Cleavon Brown looks like he's really kind of turned the corner. If, if Darius Garland never stepped foot on campus, you would still say, well, this is an NCAA tournament team. So you kind of have to move forward, appreciate the fact that Darius Garland's going to be on the bench cheering the team on, but you, you can win. You need, to, you need to move on and try to win. That's, that's, I know that's the, the cold-hearted part of it, but uh, you've you got to move on. No, you're not wrong. And, and I think I agree with you that this team is still good enough to get a bid. You know, the win at USC is a great – I think USC is going to have a good year, when, especially when they get everybody back. That's an interesting one because it's a it's a true road win, which is very valuable. But again, it was with Garland. So where does that? What will that be to this team at the end of the year? I mean, it's still something. But if you really pick things apart, it's like, well, that's you know pre Darius injury, and that's not what this team is anymore. But to your point, they've got opportunity ahead, and I agree. I, I think you, you've got to make now Saban Lee the primary ball handler, and you know you still have a lot of good pieces. And Ma- Max Evans looked. <clears throat> Max Evans looked fine in the role when he needed to be. But, yeah, Saban Lee's got to be the guy. Um, I, I like Neesmith really, really taking off. And not just because he's a shooter. We already knew he was a shooter. He just kind of had to come into his own, and, and that's coming now. But against Savannah State, and, again, I understand with Savannah State, it wasn't USC or Kansas State or whoever. But against Savannah State, he took the ball to the rim, and he finished with some dunks about three or four times in traffic. And, if he can do that, add a little bit of that to being a shooter, then you've got a guy that'll get a lot of minutes and maybe be your starting shooting guard sometime uh, this season. You, you've got some pieces there. Yeah, and you know, Saban Lee had kind of he was working on being that more of a catch and shoot guy, more of a slasher two guy this year. Now he transitions to okay, the ball's in your hands, and now Neesmith has got to step up and Toy too, Joe Toy. You guys are catching and shooting more, getting more shots, more opportunities, I think, because of this. So, and, and Matt Ryan can't shoot from 40 feet like he has. You didn't see that as much in the Savannah State game. I don't know if somebody's told him that or not, but he, he's open anywhere. But you really can't – you know, you and I uh, bickered a little bit on Twitter last night that I, I need to see less 30-foot three-pointers. I need to see less Simi Shitu throwing a no-look on a two-on-four break. Love it. 
Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> against Savannah State. Against Savannah State. There, there's a little bit of this AAU mixtape feel, which is, is fun, but... And by the way, it's harder to do if Darius Garland is not out there. Yeah. And it seems like these guys are kind of doing the poor man's version of that, and you just you can't do that. All right, so it'll be interesting moving forward. Tough, tough break for Darius Garland, but, yeah, he'll be fine, and he'll, uh, he'll be in the league next year, I think. And, and I think Vanderbilt still has a chance at a very good year. So that's it, a jam-packed podcast. We'll be back soon on Breaking Down the Doors. Breaking Down the Doors.